Hi, we are Caroline and Levi Holt, and we're part of the family here at Holt Farms. When I think of the people that I know that I watched wear Liberty overalls growing up, hard work, determination, perseverance, just a real appreciation for their craft and what they did and, and for things that, that lasted and for things that, that meant something to them. That's what I saw walking around in Liberty overalls. Shop LibertyBibs.com for your pair today. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, you'll meet Renee Gould. Renee married into a large family farming operation near Consort, Alberta, but was no stranger to rural life after coming from a small acreage nestled in the foothills of Alberta. She grew up riding and training horses in a variety of different disciplines. Now with two little kiddos, Renee continues to ride when she can and captures the beauty of the land and animals surrounding her on canvas with oil paint when she can't. By embracing her artistic side and painting the things she truly loves, Renee has truly created a new identity and a business that reflects her country girl soul. I am so looking forward to you hearing my conversation with Renee. She is real, she is raw, and she is vulnerable during our conversation, and I cannot thank her enough for that. Before we get to Renee's interview, I want to share with you a listener review that was received over on Apple Podcasts. So this five-star rating and review is titled, So Informative. While I don't live in a rural area, nor do I farm or homestead myself, I recently started working in the agricultural industry as a subject matter expert, helping farmers and ranchers conserve their soil and water. I don't have a farming background, but this podcast has helped me learn more about the rural lifestyle and agriculture so that I can better help and understand the people I serve through my job. Keep up the good work. This is from Kayla P via Apple podcast in the US. And I have to say, this is probably one of my favorite reviews. As much as I love talking to rural women and rural folks who live and breathe this lifestyle every day to reach people who don't necessarily live the way that we do, 
but this can help them better understand how we do. This is how we advocate for agriculture. So by sharing our stories and amplifying specifically the voices of women in agriculture really is truly going a long way. So thank you so much for that kind rating and review. If you yourself have not left a rating and review over on your Apple product, I would love it if you can, and any other podcast platform that you can leave a rating and review. This helps give good old social proof that we here at the Rural Woman Podcast are are doing a great job. So be sure to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to the Rural Woman Podcast. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Renee. Hello, Renee. Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm actually really, really excited to say that because this is, like I said to you before we hit record, this is my first episode that I'm recording of my new recording season. So (laughs) I hope by the end of it, I still sound as peppy. (laughs) I'm sure I will. Renee, for the listeners who are unfamiliar with you, Give us your background of who you are and how you got your start in agriculture. I'm Renee Gould, and I grew up on a horse right from itty-bitty all the way up until now, until I had kids. I've been riding my horses, but I did pony clubs for since I was like six and then all the way on until I was 18, so that's like show jumping, and I worked at a show jumping barn for a lot of years. And then I ended up playing a sport called polo cross, which is like lacrosse on horses. And with polo cross, I got to go and travel the world and become almost like professional at that sport. And then I ended up going to university at the University of Lethbridge. And during my summer seasons, I played I played and groomed a sport called polo in the Calgary area. And there I met a bunch of really great business people and got to ride horses professionally. So mainly my background starts in horses. And then after university, I met my husband online and moved to the farm and fell in love with it. I helped them feed cows. I helped them build fences. I helped them do all the farm things. They, We have about 300 cows, cow-calf pairs, and then we have about 10,000 acres, but we're only farming, like, for cash crop, 4,000. So, like, big enough for a family farm. Just it's my husband and his mom... And his stepdad, they are the main workers on the farm. So I was a newcomer and then I had kids and it was unexpected, but I have to say that I didn't love it. I really didn't love it. I thought I was going to love it. I thought I was going to be a mom of four, maybe five kids. But after one, I was like, this is hard. I loved going out and helping with the chores. I loved feeding cows. I loved going combining, swathing, making meals, building fences. I loved being outside. I loved being with my husband. And when I had kids, I couldn't do that. And that really sucked. I'm getting all teary. 
that's okay. That was, I was just going to say thank you for saying that and being so vulnerable right off the bat because, you know, that's something that I'm sure a lot of people have felt. And especially in this life where you get to try all of these new exciting things on a farm and then all of that changes immediately. And uh, all of the changes you go through as a woman in your life anyways, and just becoming a mother is a huge change. And then having to adapt with all of these different things. So thank you for saying that. Yeah. Yeah. And the hardest part about it is you're used to going out with your husband. Like when he goes out the door, you get to go too. You get to go to work and be busy and feel fulfilled. And when you're stuck at home with the kids and yeah, (laughs) you're bored, you're lonely, but you're never alone and you, you just can't. Like, what's your purpose? What's fulfilling you? Yeah. Why are you here? And the hardest thing, too, is I moved four hours away from my family and my community. And so you don't have those people anymore. So you're just sitting at home waiting for your husband to come home. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) So this started the birth of my art career. Because I needed something that I could do. Well, my kids, kids at the time, I have two kids now, two and three. When they were little, I would paint because it was something that I could leave in the other room when the baby cried. But I could pick up whenever they were sleeping or whenever I had a spare moment. It, it like, gave me a whole new life. It, I was able to paint the animals that were found out in my backyard, the animals that I love so much. I couldn't go and ride my horse. I grew up riding horse. Like, horses were my life. And now with a kid, I can't go out and ride. I mean, you can, but your husband's not home to watch your kids, so you can go for a ride. And I never had quite enough horses for them to go riding with me. So, yeah. So painting was like a whole new birth on my identity and my well-being, I guess. Yeah. And well, a creative outlet, right? And something to give you that purpose that you were looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Renee, you have kicked off this interview so well. I have so many things to dig in with all of the with things. Tears you already. Said. You know what? That's okay. That's if if you're not here to learn something, we're here to feel something, right? So you've you've hit us right in the feels off the bat. So thank you. <laughs> Where did your love of horses come from? Yeah, so my whole family rode. We always rode together, Um, my mom, my dad, and my sister. So we all played this sport polo cross together, and we traveled all over. So we drove all over the States. We've actually gone to Australia, South Africa, France, and often we were all playing on the same team. So horses, like, was our family thing through and through. (laughs) And... What do you think are some of the greatest lessons you learned as a child from your horses? Perseverance and the try. Yeah, I used to ride my horses and dream about this question. Like, wow, I've learned so much from these horses. Just the challenges that they, and the challenges that we put in front of them. And they just, they go, okay, man, let's try this. Let's learn it. You want me to learn it. And they're like a big, huge animal. There's, they could say no. They could easily say no and dump you and put you out. But they just 
keep trying. Yeah. yeah, perseverance. They are absolutely incredible animals. And I myself, I, I grew up with cousins who had horses and I always thought that maybe I would like one. Um, I have to say though that my husband is a very uh, understanding man that I am an animal lover and an animal person, but he's he's always said to me, you could have basically anything you want except a horse. So <laughs> he he's not a horseman. I know it's okay. I have I will just admire the ones across the road and all of the ones uh, that I see my friends on the internet have. So <laughs> that's okay. He's kind of a party pooper, but... Uh... <laughs> Tell us more about your current operation. And uh, you said you had a cow-calf and your cash crop. Tell us more about your current operation. Sure. So like I said, I, we have cow-calf operation. And I actually help calve out. So I wake up in the morning <laughs> before my kids and my husband wake up. And I go and check cows when we're calving just to get my fill of the farm and feel my purpose. <laughs> And then we have, like I said, uh, a couple thousand acres in cash crop and then a couple hundred acres in hay and then the rest is pasture land. And then I've actually started my own fun farm doing meat chickens and egg chickens and I have two sows that have piglets. So they just had their second litter of piglets. So they had 15 piglets and that's pretty fun. I don't know what else you want me to say about the farm. <laughs> That's good. That's great. What made you decide that you wanted to start kind of your own fun part of the farm? Because oh, it's fun because I live out <laughs> here. And what else am I going to do with this space? I have the ability to have these animals and feed my family farm fresh meats and eggs. And why not? Why not? That's what I feel like too. And it's funny because our operation has always been uh, grain. There is, there's feedlot here. So there's been cattle before and not really anything in the fun farm category, I would say. So when I came along and an animal lover, I'm like, we could have all of these things. And it's like, well, why would you have them? Because I can. I didn't grow up being able to have a goat in my backyard, like, and now I can. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Craig's dad, mom and dad actually started a feedlot here and they had thousands of cattle here. So there's the old feedlot. They don't run the feedlot anymore. They just keep their replacement heifers in it. And sometimes they'll feed steers out for the winter. But yeah, so we have all these pens. And so I have all the room to put these animals into. Exactly. From the author of Farm Wives in Profile and Farm Wives 2, Billy J. Miller has released her fourth book celebrating farm life. Miller examines what farm life is like through the eyes of children in her newest book, Farm Kids, Stories from Our Lives. Only not just interviewing today's children, this touching book delves into what it looked like to be a farm kid through the ages. Starting with her husband's 100-year-old grandmother, Miller asks what her days looked like when she came home from school, her memories of her mom, and what she did on most weekends. Peppered with hilarity and frank honesty only present-day kids can master, this book is filled with stories that will enlighten you, warm your heart, and make you laugh out loud. 
Billy is offering a special Rural Woman podcast listener discount. Use code RWP at checkout to save 10% off your book order. Head to the link in today's show notes or to billyjmiller.com slash shop to order your copy of Farm Kids, Stories from Our Lives. So Renee, tell us about the transition for you from acreage life to a large farming operation. What was that like for you from your expectations and what your reality was growing up to now your adult married life on this huge farm? Yeah, that's a big question. (laughs) Yeah, as I mentioned before, the struggle of coming into this farm thinking that I'm marrying into this. I love it. I'm passionate about it. I can't imagine doing anything else. I can't imagine living anywhere else, but where do I fit in? What's my job? Do I end up taking over my mother-in-law's job, but she's not quite ready to retire? And I, I don't know how to fix a tractor. I don't know how to fix a combine. So... Where does that leave me? How am I more than just a hired hand? That's, I guess, questions that I have as I come into the farm, things I didn't expect. And what is my identity beyond being Craig's wife in the community? It's so often that we would go out to events and they say, oh, who are you? Or nice to meet you. You're Craig's wife. Or they say, who, who are you married to? Oh, you're, you're married to Craig. That's my husband. <laughs> yeah. I didn't grow up farming, but I have a passion and ideas for what I want to see in this farm and what I want to pass on to my kids in this farm. And sometimes I feel like they're unheard because I haven't done my time here. And I don't expect to have the farm handed over to me, but but I've done a lot of research. I've listened to a lot of different ideas and there's a lot of things you can try. It's a huge land base that we're in charge of and in charge of making better. So how do we do that? Just asking the questions, I guess. Yeah. Asking a lot of questions of my family and my husband, and he's not a big talker, so he kind of goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's always interesting when there are partners who come onto operations, and they can be husbands or wives or business partners or anything. And I always think what a great opportunity to have a fresh set of eyes to see things differently than maybe they've been seen before. But I think there can be some pushback from the people who were here and who have done it this way forever. And like you said, you have a very large land base to take care of and to make better and to make sure that your kids have that for their future, if that's what they want, or whomever comes along to have that to help feed the world essentially. And it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of questions. And I know I've been in the place where I have a lot of questions and there's not a lot of answers and that can be extremely frustrating. Yeah. And there's a culture to it too, right? Like, right. Like grandpa still comes out to the farm and, and has an opinion and says, that's not the way we've always done it. This is the way we've always done it. This is the way that it's worked for me 90 years ago, right? And how do you break that cultural, this is the way we've always done it, you know? 
and and there's a fear of failing. And if you are to fail, you're going to be criticized because it worked the way we were doing it before. So how did you screw it up? I think there's a, I feel that there's a culture like that out here. And just the pressure, right? The pressure of I'm going to change something that has been working, but I'm going to change and try something else. And like you said, the pressure and the fear of failing, I think, has held a lot of people back. And I also think, I think there is a respectful way of making changes to family operations who have legacies, who have things that, you know, people have known them for, for however long, and then whoever comes along and changes it, right? I think, you know, respecting the legacy of your farm is important and the integrity of your family. But at the same time, I think the most dangerous thing that we can do in agriculture is keep things the same, right? The world we live in is not the same as it was 90 years ago. It's not even the same as it was 10 years ago now. So what are the changes that we need to make to improve things to make it better for the next generation? Because we don't farm for today. We farm for the next generation to be able to continue to grow food and to continue to feed people. Yeah, and it's almost overwhelming too because there's so many different options that you can take. Like, so which one is the right one? Which one do you want to try? And then the results aren't instantaneous. You might have, like the drought we had last year was just unbelievable. So how can you make a change and then know if it really worked? Right. It's a long time before you know if it worked. You're throwing money to the wind hoping it's working. Absolutely. Uh, Well, and I think, you know, there's the quotes and saying like farmers are the most optimistic people because we do, we throw money at things and we think, well, well, I guess we'll see if this works. And, you know, in a minute, your whole entire crop could be gone and there's nothing you can do about it, but try again next year and uh, hope that something works better or making little changes. But having all of that pressure on you is is something that I I myself had never experienced before and I never understood it. And I still think there are times where there's these pressures and these big looming things that I have no idea about that they can just weigh on you. So it's just like, how do you take that pressure off of yourself and then just do the best you can? Yeah. How do you? I, I don't know. It's if a anybody, work in progress. Yeah. If, if anybody listening has that uh, answer, you just send me an email and let me know. So, yeah, me too. <laughs> Tis the season to shop rural. The highly anticipated Trailblazer Co. 2022 holiday gift guide is back. This holiday season, it's easier than ever to support and shop rural. Imagine one place for all of your gift giving, all while supporting a rural woman. The Trailblazer Co. Holiday Gift Guide features the products and offerings of rural women from across North America. From body butters to handcrafted leather goods to fine art and online courses, you will be blown away by the selection. It's like the Sears catalog for rural women. Available in print, digital, and online, 
visit the link in today's show notes or visit trailblazerco.com slash gift dash guide and get shopping. One of the things um, that I I really respect of you, Renee, and the listeners have already heard it, is how vulnerable you are and how authentic you are. I can tell that from just chatting with you uh, from from our interaction as well as um, from when you submitted your application to be on the podcast. So I got to meet you through that before I even got to talk to you. And I, I felt akin to you. I felt connected to you. On the forum, there's a, uh, a blurb that I'm going to read uh, for the listeners that you wrote. And I'm, I got your permission to read this before, uh, before you said, so thank you for letting me read this. But this is a topic that, you know, we've, we've dived into already during our conversation, but is something that you and I both th- thought was important to talk about. So I'm going to go ahead and read what you put. So questions I often ask myself is, what is my place on the farm? How do I fit in? Will I ever have a say in what happens here? Do I have a right to have a say or be a part of this? I often find myself waiting for the invite that never comes, stepping up to complete tasks when not asked, or filling in the farm wife role by voicing my interest in making of meals, picking up parts, and helping with the equipment shuffle. All of that is done in an attempt to show my interest, gain experience, and at the end of the day, fill my bucket with purpose. But it doesn't answer the question of who I am or what is my value or my worth on this farm. I often feel these jobs like I'm feeling are all of the voids that I can see and help fill with a child on my hip, but they also make me feel dispensable as anyone can do any of these jobs on the farm. And sometimes they do hire someone to do them before asking me. When I read that, Renee, I had tears rolling down my face because I myself have felt that before on this farm and have felt like I could be dispensable. If I wasn't here to do this, somebody else could just come in and do this. And I often wonder if people who have grown up on family operations, do they feel like they're dispensable? Or do they not feel that way because of that family blood? They are born into this. So I'm curious for people who are listening, who are born and raised, um, I would love to have that conversation of, do you feel dispensable? Because I think as an in-law, like you said, what is my right to any of this? And that can be a really difficult conversation to have within within a family structure. Yeah. So. There's no answer. <laughs> <laughs> what advice do you have for someone who is listening that finds themselves in this place or who could be in this place of not knowing what their role is or what their purpose is on the farm? What advice do you have for them going into this? I don't know that I have good advice, but the more I think about it, the more I think how I think about it is 
you got to find your own thing, your own thing that makes you passionate, that makes you love being here. Because your family's not here and your community's not here and your people aren't here, but your husband's here and the life and the culture and the, the farming, you love it. Your kids, you love it. The kids themselves love it here. So how can you find your place? How can you find your way of loving it? And what can you do to make it love it? you love it? And it, it takes me back to Michelle Obama's book that talks about her sitting at home, waiting for her husband, Brock, to come home, says he's going to be home for supper. How many times have we heard this from our own husbands? And he doesn't come home. And it, and it makes us angry and sad and disappointed. But we can't put our own happiness in somebody else and what they do. Even if it is our husband, even if it is our own family, we have to make our own happiness. So out here, how can you make your own happiness? How can you feel fulfilled? How can you have a purpose? You need to find that, whatever it is. And I know how hard it is to find the thing that you love and find time to do the thing that you love. Like, don't get me wrong, I love my kids and I love spending time with them, but they're a lot. They're a lot of work and they take up a lot of time. So one of my tricks is I just start waking up earlier, finding that time for myself or thinking I could go out and I can paint or I can go do my chores that I need to do instead of watching Netflix, instead of sitting and scrolling on social media. I have the ability to choose how I want to live this life and how I want to live a good, happy, long life. I don't want to be angry at my husband. I don't want to be angry that I live here. I don't want to be angry that I have to deal with my in-laws every day, all day for the rest of my life. But I do get to choose what I want to do with my life. You are doing oil paintings, correct? Yeah. Yes. I am a Western artist doing oil paintings on canvas. So focusing mainly on the animals that I find out my back door. So like horses, cows, working cow horses, even down to the birds. I did a bunch of birds this year. Buffalo. Our neighbors have buffalo. So I paint those. Everything and anything. Chickens. Mainly animals though. All of the good things out your door. The best things. Yes. Well, and I was saying to you that uh, while I was coming up with my questions for you, I have to say I was procrastinating while looking through all of your art because it's absolutely stunning. And you do such a wonderful job of capturing the beauty that is farm life. You know, we, we've talked about the hard things. We've talked about the things that cause us, you know, angst and anxiety and all of the big looming questions. But when it comes down to it, there is beauty in our life and beauty in what we do. I think it's important to talk about all of the things. And like we said, I think people focus on the beauty a lot and we talk about the beauty a lot, but I think it's important to talk about the nitty gritty things that we did, but also, you know, sitting back at the end of the day, looking and saying, you know, all of these hard things really do suck, but having, you know, having a cow in your backyard is pretty cool, I think. And <laughs> being able to focus on the beauty. Yeah. And the bad things make those beautiful things more beautiful, right? Like the really lows of you being alone on those late harvest nights and you've got the kids are both screaming at you it's past their bedtime dishes are piled up because you took a meal to the field like those are major lows but 
look where we live. Like, I know we all live in different places, but holy, how lucky are we to have this much land to let our kids roam, to let, to have animals if we want animals, to be outside, see a lot of nature. Yeah, absolutely. You bet. What are some of your proudest accomplishments in your art career that you want to share? Yeah. So this year I've been trying to put out my art a lot more. And I've always said right from when I was quite young, I quite I do recall saying, I want to do something great. I want to be something great. So this year I got into the Calgary Stampede, which was like my aunt or my um, mom's cousin, she always had a booth at the Calgary Stampede. And it's just like the epitome. It's like what I really want my art career to do. So I was just in the mini masterpieces, but my plan, my goal, I'm saying it out loud on air. I'm going to go for the big booth and have my art at the show there. Well, you've said it out loud, so now it has to happen. It has and, to happen. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to see that and be there rooting for you because, you know, I think your art is capturing something and it, it's absolutely beautiful. So I will be sure to leave the link in the show notes to your website and your social media so people can go and find you and know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Thank you. Renee, my last question for you is what is the most rewarding part about being a rural woman for you? I have to say the passion, the love, the history, and the culture. And the passion... And by passion, I mean the passion I can share about this farm with my family, so my husband and my kids, and then sharing that love with my family and friends that don't live on the farm. That's like the most fun to bring people here and show them how cool is all this big equipment, how cool is the technology, how cool, look at what we're doing to make this a better place to live. and breaking those farm stereotypes I think is also really awesome and the culture and the history Craig's a fourth generation farmer so it's pretty darn cool to have his family talk about how his great-grandfather came here and staked a claim on this land like to think about that this was just bald land and they're just walking along or however they choose it and chose this piece and it's still here today and it's still in their name. It's pretty incredible to think about that and to think about how many changes have been made since that day. But the love and legacy of the land is still there. Yeah. And how many families can say that? Like what other career can say, this is my history with this much land in this area and like this profession? How many other places can say that? Beautifully said. Renee, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today and being vulnerable and being authentic and sharing, you know, the life that you've lived and the life that you love and uh, sharing your art with us. It's such a beautiful gift that you're, you're giving everyone. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me on here. This has been a treat. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? Yeah, so I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook. They're Renee Gould Art 
I believe. I'll have to, you'll have to put a link in the show notes. And then I have my website, reneegould.ca. Perfect. And those links will be in the show notes for people to find you and connect with you and love your art as much as I do. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast, a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim & Co. Online. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story.